I want to talk about sex, but this would be the best way for me to um, summarize who I am sexually. So let's do this. Besthealthmag.ca. This is updated February 11, 2019. Find your sexual combination in your partners as well by looking at your libido and what it means. Which libido type best describes you? So throughout this whole episode, I'm going to answer the questions. I'll read you the types and tell you what I am and what I'm not. So this is Sandra Pratap, an Australian sex therapist and clinical psychologist and author of When Your Sex Drives Don't Match, developed the concept of 10 libido types. Do you see yourself in one or more of them? Here we go. Sensual, snapshot. Do you find emotional intimacy more important during sex than physical performance? Libido meaning sex connects you emotionally with your partner. It is the physical expression of your relationship. Advice, if your partner turns you down, you may feel rejected. Ask your partner to say no more gently. Um, and if you are in a committed relationship, um, whether you're, it's married or unmarried, make sure that you um, know how you feel about a sexless, monogamous relationship, married or unmarried, okay? Um, this is what I would say. I'm definitely sensual because I do find emotional intimacy more important during sex than physical performance. And sex is one of the ways that connects emotionally with my partners and the physical expression of our relationships. Okay, so let's talk about this. So you know that I'm the sensual libido type. Now let's talk about the dependent libido type, snapshot. You need sex to feel loved and reassured or to deal with stress. Libido meaning, you learned in adolescence to use sex and masturbation, deal with boredom or frustration. Advice, look for positive non-sexual ways to cope with um, the mishandling of emotions. absolutely say that I am not the dependent libido type. Uh, never have been um, and never will be. Let's talk about the stress libido type. Stress, snapshot. You feel desire but avoid sex because you're worried you can't please your partner. Libido meaning you, your self-doubt may stem from a difficult time such as illness when sex was not a priority. Advice, talk to your partner, maybe a counselor about expectations when it comes to sex. So I am not the stress libido type for the record. Detached. Snapshot, you're not worried about whether you have sex. It's easy to satisfy sexual needs for masturbation. Libido meaning you're distracted by other demands in your life, such as work, advice, discuss ways to deal with life pressures and build intimacy through non-sexual time with each other. Um, I like to include the casual and the committed in the sex conversations. 
and make sure you, the early signs you pay attention to what could dissolve any relationship. So I am not the detached libido type. I must admit I'm not worried about whether I have sex. At the same time, I find other things that meet my needs. And the best way to meet my sexual needs is through having positive sexual conversations with myself and to give myself positive sexual affirmations. That is the best way for me to meet my sexual needs. Yes, I do masturbate, but it's come from a, it's coming from a place of healthy self-esteem and self-security only. Um, and I also want to say that sex is one of the ways that I do feel compassionately loved um, by those that I am already in a compassionately loving-based casual sexual relationship with. It's one of the ways, not the primary way. Just like sex is not the primary way for me to connect with people. And as for reassure, that is one of the ways that I do feel that comes from sex, but I already love myself or to reassure myself. Um, and my partners love me and reassure me without sex primarily. But I must admit, sex is one of the ways I do feel compassionately loved and compassionately, compassionately reassured. As for stress, I don't use sex to um, resolve stress. I do, I do not frustrate my sex drive. Um, I do not frustrate my sexual needs nor my sexual desires. So I keep stress away from sex because I have therapeutic techniques to um, confront stress lovingly. So stress is not a part of my sex life. Um, and I don't use sex to deal with boredom or frustration because that is sexually narcissistic if you ask me. And I am not a sexual narcissist. Okay, erotic, snapshot. You feel an emotional closeness only with someone who is sexually passionate. Libido meaning to sex is the most important part of a relationship. You need to feel hotly desired. Advice, have fun, but also pay attention to your partner's needs, which may include, I know vanilla sex, but it doesn't have to be boring. Um, I am the erotic libido type, and I want to say why. I would say that I love the emotional closeness and sexual passion. I think those are beautiful combinations. And feeling hotly desired, I mean, it would, it would be horrible if y'all, if people didn't hotly desire each other in sex. I would say sex is the icing on the cake part of my casual relationship. And those people are like, but isn't that the primary? Actually, for me, it's not. You know, sex is not the primary for me in a casual relationship. It's like, okay. I, the most important part of my relationships is 
our personalities, our temperaments, our dispositions, our outlooks on life, our convictions, our beliefs, our opinions, our viewpoints. Those are the most important part of relationships. Obviously, the golden rule is up there with that. I mean, treat people they want to be treated, see people they want to be seen. You know, of course, all that's in there. But sex is extremely important in my casual sexual relationship. So yes, I'm the erotic libido type. And no, I am not the detached libido type. I just have to say that again. Okay. Let's talk about the addictive libido type. Snapshot. We find it difficult to resist sex with other partners despite being in a relationship. Libido meaning you are likely using sex to bolster low self-esteem or to enhance high self-esteem. Advice, counseling is a must. Hmm. I am not the addictive libido type. Um, I'm already a casual dater and therefore I don't do commitment dating, obviously. So I don't, I don't resist other partners, even though I'm already in a casual relationship, I still have sex with my other casual relationships. Um, I have healthy, high self-esteem. Therefore, I do not have low self-esteem. And all my partners know, including the whole world, thanks to this podcast, that I do not do monogamy. Um, not I'm good at it I'm perfect at it excellent at it because I'm not I am incapable of cheating I am incapable of deceiving I am incapable of sneaking around and being devious in terms of relationships but at the same time I am open about the fact that Yes, I am not a one-person person. I'm not a one-adult adult, okay? And because I know that as a public figure, people are going to have ideas, I, I decided to tell the whole world. So whoever is listening, if somebody would say, Antonio, you cheating on me, other people would go, you didn't listen to the podcast. You didn't get to know this person. How could you say that? You're lying. Antonio doesn't cheat because Antonio would never be in a serious relationship. He's Antonio has said this so many times. We know Antonio from the back of our hands when it comes to the podcast. So if I go public about it, you can't call me a liar because I already know I'm supposed to be a public figure. So pe- most people would go, whatever. That's a fucking lie. Bullshit. Hell nah. You're an asswipe. That's how people what people would say. And also people would say, you're pissing me off by saying some out of line shit about Antonio. Antonio's a fact teller. Antonio's a truth teller fuck out of here, dumbass motherfucker. That's how people would say. 
reactive, snapshot. You only get satisfaction with pleasing your partner. Libido meaning you're comfortable with your sex drive, but pleasure comes mainly from giving pleasure to others. Advice to ensure you to ensure you to get sexual satisfaction. Tell or show your partner what you want. Okay, I am not the reactive libido type. Um, I get I experience sexual satisfaction from pleasing my partners and pleasing myself. I'm comfortable with my sex drive. I'm comfortable with the sex drive of my partners. But our pleasure comes mainly from giving and receiving pleasure to each other and ourselves. So again, I am not the reactive libido type. Entitled, snapshot. You feel you should get the sex life you want because you're in a committed relationship. Libido meaning you may be placing too much emphasis on the hot sex you think everyone else is having. Advice or reality check may help very few couples have sex every day. And then it says for the advice for the detached youth that are early signs relationship won't last. Um, it says ne- you know look, look for positive non-sexual ways to cope with negative feelings. It's dependent, but feelings are not negative. It's more about handling them responsibly instead of handling them irresponsibly. Okay, but let me get back to the entitled. No, I I am not the entitled libido type. Never have been and never will be. Um, That's not how I live my life. Um, I don't live my life as a sexual psychopath because that's not me. I don't live my life as a sexual sociopath because that's not me. I don't live my life as a sexual narcissist because that's not me. I, I had to repeat that. I don't live my life as a sexual psychopath because that's not me. And I don't live my life as someone who is a sexually perverted person because that's not me. I am not a sexually I am not a sexually abusive person because that's not me. I'm not a sexually assaulting person because that's not me. I'm not a sexually harassing person because that's not me. I'm not a sexually bullying type of person because that's not me. I'm not a sexually intruding person because that's not me. I'm not a sexually obsessive person because that's not me. I'm not a sexually compulsive person because that's not me. Um, I'm not a sexually violent person because that's not me. I'm not a sexually offending person because that's not me. say that I don't place too much emphasis on hot sex I think everyone else is having because I'm not a sexually competitive person I'm not a sexually contesting person either none of those things are me so 
my partners and I, we can just act like we want and need because we are compatible and a chemistry when it comes to each other. Okay. Let's talk about the compulsive libido type. Um, snapshot. You find it difficult to become aroused and enjoy sex unless it involves a special situation or object. Libido meaning. Researchers aren't sure why fetishes from mild to extreme develop, but they generally form early. Um, counseling is a must if you need it, okay? Advice. Talk to a counselor if your fetish is negatively affecting your or your partner's sex life. Remember, fetishes are not the same thing as sexual fantasy. I am not the compulsive uh, libido type. Um, that's not some. That's not who I am. It's not who I want to be. Uh, none of those things have anything to do with me. Lastly, disinterest libido type snapshot. It wouldn't bother you if you never had sex again. Here, meet three women who are living happily without sex. They always put article links in there. What's behind it? You may have progressed from stress libido or you may have an actually low interest in sex. Advice. To boost your desire, focus on one good reason to have sex rather than all the reasons not to. Um, here's what I would say. I am not the disinterest libido type because it would bother me if I never had sex again. I just have to say it. I have a naturally high interest in sex and my libido is not stressed. My libido is progressed. My I have a libido that's a one of the forms of my true success. Okay? So progressed libido and my libido being a form of success, it means that every day I sexually heal, every day I experience sexual growth and development, like sex and sexual growth and development, meaning my relationship with sex, sexuality, every day, are, it's becoming healthier and healthier and healthier and healthier and healthier and healthier and healthier, healthier nonstop. That's what it is for me. So. I do ha I have sex for all the right and good and appropriate reasons. I never have sex for all the inappropriate, bad and wrong reasons, okay? So many people have a mixed libido type. The erotic sensual combo is the most common, Cordot says, and it's no big deal being your partner's a different sexual appetite. So look at you and your partner's libido types, not as a fixed label, but a starting point. Once you accept your sexuality more confidently, you can focus on what's right for you all rather than on what's missing so let me make sure that i know who i am i am the erotic slash sensual libido type i am the most common mixed libido type yes i am the erotic slash sensual combo mixed libido type okay now you know who I am. Let's talk about something different. Okay. I just wanted to say 
This is Bringing Home the Erotic, Five Ways to Create Meaningful Connection with Your Partner by Esther Perel. This is estherperel.com. At a time in the Western world when we often have premarital sex as a given contraception in hand and the permission for sexual connection and pleasure at home, desire seems to be flatlining. We don't know why it is so difficult to sustain, to sustain desire and we want to want. Many of us when it comes to sexuality tend to do what we think we should do rather than what we'd like to be doing. This is not just a statement about women. We get stuck in ruts and disconnect from our imaginations. We would love to experience new things with our partners, because, but we can be afraid to invite us. But we can be afraid to invite ourselves or them. A minor annoyance or a major impasse can be both catalyst for shutting down sexually. Sometimes we're quote unquote not in the mood. Other times we wonder if we, uh, other times we wonder if we've lost what once made us desirable to our partners. We tend to think of these as sexual issues. Really, it's an erotic dilemma. Contrary to what we are taught, eroticism isn't purely sexual. It is sexuality transformed and socialized by the human imagination. The imagination creates the plot, flirtation, longing, and anticipation all play within our mind's eye. This is where our erotic faculties live, and eroticism is the time machine. It's activated by the pains and pleasures of our complicated past. It breeds hope and possibility for the future and makes us feel utterly present. Don't know what I mean? Think about a favorite activity. Let's say you love to play soccer, tennis, or ping pong. Last time you won your game. Thinking about that win gets you excited about the next time you play at home. You wash your gear. You text your teammates to schedule practice. You check the weather. There's a whole ritual that builds anticipation. So, when it, so why when it comes to sex do people seem to think that just saying we want to have sex after doing the dishes is sufficient warm-up? Play ball, people. Engaging eroticism enables us to maintain a sense of aliveness, vibrancy, and vitality. As Oct Octavio Paz has implied, eroticism is the poetry of the body the way that poetry is the eroticism of language. Don't let a difficult phase be a death sentence for your sex life for your relationship. Together, you can come through it. Consider the following five ways to create meaningful connections with your partners. Expand your definition of eroticism. The erotic landscape is vastly larger and more intricate than the physiology of sex and the repertoire of sexual techniques. It's worth repeating. The central agent of eroticism is, my, is our imaginations. The most overlooked erotic organ is our mind. We can anticipate, dream, and give meaning. If sex is a collection of urges and acts, the erotic is a receptacle for our hopes, fears, expectations, and struggles. It's about the quality of the experience, not frequency and performance. If you want to feel transported, you have to take risks. I'm not talking about danger. I'm talking about vulnerability of exposure and exploration that heightens trust. Deep eroticism is intimate. Deep intimacy is erotic. Cultivate pleasure for its own sake. Playing it safe gets it done, but if you want a sense of renewal and excitement, step outside of your comfort zone. Create meaningful connection often. Creating meaningful connection often requires adjusting the context in which intimacy is taking place. Try to create the right ambience. Think again of the soccer game. Nobody expects to play on a littered field. We pay attention to the space, light, and mood. Upkeep of our space ensures we're ready to play at any time. Switch up your routines, no matter how effective our rituals are. If we don't change it up a bit, they inevitably become boring. Take out separate email addresses just for love notes to each other or lust notes to each other. Take a class, go on walks together at night. Or 
if you're a person who is in a wheelchair, y'all can wheelchair together anytime of day, even night, or y'all can just be together during the day. Hey, um, create meaningful connection through play. Couples and just people in general who are even casual, who are plagued by sexual boredom would be well to explore the hidden fantasies and desires that turn them on. A great way to do this is to engage in sexual play. Here are some ways to initiate. Make lists of sexual turn-ons such as grooming. When I'm talking about grooming, I'm not talking about the abusive type. I'm talking about warming each other up as adults, okay? Uh, and it's all enthusiastically consensual and uh, mutually informed as well. So good foreplay, emotional sensitivity. Put the list in the envelope, seal it, and put it under the pillow. Pick objects that represent experiences when you each felt intense pleasure and excitement. Then pick other ones that represent when you each felt numb, shut down, closed off, and fearful. Let those objects tell your stories. I assure you, you will say and hear things you haven't before. If you had to direct an erotic scene, what would that scene be like? Encourage each other to be detailed, highly granular. Every detail matters in the realm of pleasure. Get away from performance-driven sex. At this moment, getting it done, being efficient, and our obsession with optimization creates an anti-erotic culture. Sex is not about the orgasm, nor does it end with orgasm. Stop focusing on the physicality of it. Linger, take your time, savor. Let things unfold and not be so goal-oriented. And by the way, foreplay starts at the end of the previous orgasm. And I would say that you can also say that foreplay starts at the starts in the very beginning before there's even orgasm to be had. Explore your erotic blueprints. Tell me how you were loved or lusted. I will tell you how you make love. And make lust, hey. The psychology of our desires often lie. The psychology of our desires and needs too. Needs, 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 needs. Often lies buried in the details of our childhood and our relationships with our caregivers. It didn't start when we found our partners. What gives us intense pleasure sometimes comes from very dimly lit places inside of ourselves and from experiences that were actually quite painful. Our imagination compensates for what was missing and for what may be missing now. Sexual fantasies reveal our deepest emotional needs. Provided you are in a healthy enough relationship to go there, explore the roots of your sexuality with my free intimacy inventory. Within it, you'll find a series of questions and conversation topics that will give you deeper insights into yourself and each other. Exploring our physical, mental, emotional death enables us to deepen our intimacy. Feeling busy, tired, or stressed notwithstanding, it's this kind of understanding of ourselves and our partners that helps us overcome the obstacles to our desires and become the erotic. Have fun. I'm just letting that simmer. That's why I get quiet sometimes because I'm actually speaking life into me sexually. So that's why 
the pausing the time. Okay. When the Earth is uneasy, and understanding the universe of sexual desire, February 2018, by Carolyn Ariston, MSW, LCSW, topic expert. This is the writer speaking. In my experience, mismatch love with sexual desire libido tops the reasons couples enter sex therapy. I know that there are also people into sex therapy that may be casual. It's not talked about publicly, but it does happen. It's the reason Marcy and Joe, not their real names, come to therapy weekly. Married over 20 years, Marcy states, I don't think about sex ever. Yet when they engage sexually, Marcy says, I enjoy it. I even orgasm every time. I just never think of it. I never felt sexual desire. As a result, Marcy feels flawed as if something is wrong with her. Joe feels unwanted because he initiates sex most of the time. So which partner bears the problem in quotations? The answer is neither. The universe of desires, it turns out, is vast. According to author researcher Emily Nagoski, desire shows up differently for, for people of gender and sexual diversity. In her book, Come As You Are, The Surprising Science of Transforming Your Sex by Dr. Nagoski notes three types of desire. One, spontaneous sexual desire. Spontaneous sexual desire is exactly what it sounds like. It shows up, con- it shows up instantly with or without stimulation. Nagoski notes 75% of men experience spontaneous desire as well as 15% of women. When it comes to Marcy and Joe, Joe falls in 75% of men category. Um, I want to say that this happens in LGBTQ plus relationships and non-binary relationships and genderless relationships. That shows it differently for men, for women, for those outside of the gender binary, those who have no gender and can vary within gender identity, sexual orientation, sex characteristics. Um, this means 25% of men and the vast majority of women, 85%, do not experience spontaneous desire. Again, this is attributed to those outside the gender binary and sexual binary too. Spontaneous sexual desire as a prerequisite for sex supports a linear view of sexuality dating back to the late 1970s. In fact, researchers did not include desire on the spectrum of human sexuality until Helen Kaplan-Singer created the triphasic model of the human sexual response cycle. Singer includes three distinct phases desire excitement orgasm with desire as the entry point so how do 85 percent of women experience sexual pleasure or quote-unquote excitement they do not experience spontaneous desire and asking on two other types of desire that women are often fall into responsive and contextual everything i'm saying applies to gender and sexual diversity too i try to my best to have everyone belong and included Two, responsive sexual desire. Responsive sexual desire is when desire shows for response stimulation, meaning something sexy happens in the body response. Marcy falls more into this category. When Joe initiates her mind and body, enjoys stimulation, desire, wanting more of that feeling activates. Nagoski found 5% of men and 30% of women experience responsive desire, meaning these folks like Marcy need more than a sexy thought to want sex. Yet there remains a large percentage of women and a smaller percentage of men who do not fall into the Responsive desire category.
Okay, I just had to take another pause because I'm getting more ideas on where I am in terms of sexual desire, so I'll definitely be able to tell you once I'm done. That was another pause I had to take. Alright, I now know where I'm gonna... I know where I am on these things. So... Again, yet there remains a large percentage of women and a small percentage of men who do not fall into the responsive desire category either. Here we go. Three, contextual sexual desire. Contextual sexual desire is when the circumstances and the environment impact the ability to feel sexual desire. Think about what it's like to dream of desire when your kids in the next room you feel stressed out by financial burdens or you just ate a huge steak dinner. Sex may not be the first thing on your mind. Nagoski knows most people regardless of gender fall within a blend of responsive and contextual desire, but for some, desire can feel spontaneous. They simply may not be aware of the other factors at play. For many individuals, context matters. Marcy felt confused when she learned about the universe of desire because she always considered herself a non-sexual person. In therapy, our work focused on normalizing how she experienced desire not as a flaw and inadequacy of something wrong with her, but that's perfectly normal. This work helped her shift her sexual self-concept as she could see herself as a woman capable of desire less than erotic energy. It also helped her recognize she did indeed experience desire, just not in the same way Joe did. Our work also helped Joe better understand how Marcy's desire worked. He learned to be both responses healthy and normal. This helped Joe depersonalize Marcy's lack of sexual advances to see himself as desirable. She doesn't embrace the differences and work on improving out of each other's natural sexual responses. If mismatched desire is an issue in a relationship, contact a licensed therapist or the couples and just people are actually come on in anyhow. So I do have all three sexual desires. Um, so yes, I do experience spontaneous sexual desire. I do experience responsive sexual desire. And I do experience contextual sexual desire. All that means is when it's just us, we're in the appropriate environments, where the appropriate and, and, and our schedule has its meaning at the appropriate time, and we understand the reasons for why we're having sex is because we are at peace inside. We're relaxed inside. Nothing outside of our sex life is intruding our sex life in any kind of way and we experience that that volcanic eruption that is of fireworks popping off but it's all wholesome and holistic and whole then yes these are the sexual desires that we have and yes i do have a hypersexual way about myself yes i'm hypersexual yes i have a high sex drive of a nymphomania i guess i'm an info but i don't have sex addiction I don't have masturbation addiction. I don't have porn addiction. I don't have erotica addiction. I don't have compulsory behaviors when it comes to sex, porn, erotica. And... Anything sexual related. 
I don't have a compulsory base on masturbation either. So, yes, I'm a healthy hypersexual. I'm an ethical hypersexual. And I'm a humane hypersexual. So I'm a wholesome, whole, and holistic hypersexual. That's who I am. So yes, I'm a I'm also a healthy, whole, holistic, wholesome, um, ethical and humane nympho slash nymphomaniac. Okay. So for the last time I say yes, I do have spontaneous sexual desire. I do have responsive sexual desire. And I do have contextual sexual desire. And my partner and I, our sex drives and our sexual life together are wonderfully matched, not mismatched. Lastly, ask Dr. Ruth is porn helps for me in my relationship. After 30 years of working as a sex therapist, last year Dr. Ruth has begun sharing her wisdom. Here to answer your most pressing question on sex, relationships, and life. Email your inquiries to drchief at time.com or catch for brief installments of the Ask Dr. Ruth series. Question is watching for a separate together with my partner helps for my sex life. Here's her answer. Let me begin by saying that I'm not against using erotic material, which I don't necessarily think of as pornography. The problem with the word porn is that it encompasses so much material, some of which can be helpful to a sexual relationship and some harmful. I think she's saying what I've been saying. The difference between ethical porn and unethical porn and ethical erotica, unethical erotica, or she would say, Ethical erotic material, unethical erotic material. An definition of erotic material would be pictures, videos, or written stories that you all find arousing and might introduce any concepts to your sex lives but aren't offensive. I would say that, as with almost everything else having to do with your sex lives, establishing good communication on the subject is key and ultimately determine whether introducing erotica will help or hurt. One use of viewing erotic material is simply to stimulate sexual arousal. Does that mean that if you use it, there's something wrong with your sex life? Certainly some people, especially some women, might question their partner and ask, why do you need to watch some other people having sex to get aroused? Does my body no longer turn you on? That's a legitimate question, but it's also a hazardous one to ask. What if the answer is yes? Does it mean the end of the relationship? It doesn't have to be, but maybe it's something to think about before posing that question. And keep in mind that the more likely answer is that your body does still turn them on, but they could also use a little more visual stimulation from time to time. And that's not something that should make you doubt their desire for you. It could be certainly some people, especially some people, whether you're a man or genderless or Plus, they too might question their partners and ask, why do you need to watch some other people have sex to get aroused if my body wants to turn you on as well? Another issue to consider is just not of the stars of such movies, but of their physical attributes. You shouldn't let this bother you, however. When you watch a film featuring a superhero, you don't typically feel bad because you don't have superpowers. You don't feel sad or mad because you don't have superpowers. 
he should adopt the same attitude when it comes to erotic videos. Now, I know that many people frown on the use of erotica, but let's look at this issue more closely. How women achieve orgasm falls on a bell curve. On one end of the curve are those women who can just think sexy thoughts and have an orgasm on the other hand, and on the other end are those who can't orgasm very easily or at all. But also towards the latter end of the spectrum are women who require the strong sensation of, of, a, vibra of a vibrator in order to have an orgasm. It's not something that they choose and no one should question their rights to have an orgasm just because they need to use a vibrator. It is any is it any less legitimate if a man needs to look at a rock in order to become sufficiently aroused to engage in intercourse? Now, of course, these things apply to LGBTQ plus genderless and non-binary persons too, because they may have similar reactions, the same experiences. I don't want to leave anybody out, and men may have them too. Not you know, not just one. Um, I'd say that the frequency of use should be something to be considered. If one partner always needs to be watching erotica in order to come around, then that's a situation that each of you have to talk about. Have to talk about. I'll repeat this again. I say that the frequency of use should be something to be considered. If one partner always needs to be watching erotic in order to become aroused, then that's a situation that each of you have to talk about. If it's just the occasional use of erotica, then maybe it's not worth examining too closely. Just chalk it up to one more way to add some variety to your sex life so that it doesn't become boring. I would say for me, Estoparelsis erotica narrative fits me perfectly. I'm going to say that so you won't think I didn't comment on that. She was so spot on about me that with what she said about erotica, I couldn't add any more. I would say to this article, um, my partners and I will talk about it. Some of my partnerships may include erotica, some may not. Some may include porn, some may not. But either way, we have wholesome sex lives anyway. Yeah. In any environment, too. So, I just want to say um, I'm so glad that I finally figured out who I am sexually 100%. And this episode was the cat. That was a healthy catalyst for me to get 